Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 79. We have an episode we've actually wanted to do for quite a while now, but we haven't really gotten around to it, and obviously we're not experts. Yeah. (laughs) So... Part two of this episode, Donovan interviewed a hiking coach, uh, Rowan Smith, from he started his own company, Summit Strength. Mm. So we'll have that coming up. But just to start, we'll get our own kind of thoughts on hiking and fitness and injuries and everything else. Yeah. So this is a, a topic that we, I think early on when we wrote down all the episodes we wanted to do, we said, yeah. hiking fitness, we should do this. And just never kind of got the right person in for this. Um, but, you know, it's something that we talk a lot about, I guess. Um, you know, we've both had plantar fasciitis issues um, and other things like that. And it is something that you have to work up to. Like, I think, you know, sometimes you see a lot of people um, wanting to, to do, like, fastest known times. Mm. And, you know, their hiking experience is quite minimal. <laughs> yeah, even just going from, like, day walks to multi-day hikes, it's there's a different stress on your body. And Definitely. it's a repeated stress as well. Um, so I think it's it's quite an underestimated part of hiking that doesn't really get talked about too much because there's like not that many other activities where you go from being quite casual about it to here's 15 to 20 kilos on your back for 10 hours a day. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. And I think we've, we both talked about this in terms of, you know, it's been quite a long time for both of us between multi-days. Hmm. Um, and I recently did an overnight on the Cape to Cape and realized that, Yes, I've been doing a lot of cycling. Yes, my cardio health is probably the best it's ever been. Um, you know, my leg strength is probably even stronger than before the cycling. But my feet struggled mm. because I just haven't been carrying, you know, 15, 20 kilos on the back. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, we went for a ride about a, what, a month ago and mm. I'd stopped riding training and was in Tassie doing all this hiking, but then we get back out into the bikes. <laughs> I was cooked on a few of the, <laughs> yeah. the climbs. It's just, yeah, getting your body used to it. And as we said, stepping it up gradually, I think, is probably the best way to do it, along mm. with some other strength training um, related to hiking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there any kind of experiences or tips that you had when you were starting to level up with your long-distance hiking that you could share? Yeah, um, I guess I, I've i been always like a T-Rex, you know, strong lower body, weak upper body. Yeah. Um, so I think I, it was just something I've, I've been always sort of, not so much naturally, but, you know, just by, I think I was always stronger, so I was able to do things and it didn't come as difficult, you know, as a difficulty to me. Mm. Um, but certainly I've, I've realized that there's, it's, there's a correct way to walk. There's like a certain more efficient way of walking. Um, and that depends on your height. So your gait has to match that. Because if you're trying to walk, like, you know, if you, I'm not a tall guy, but if you're trying to walk with giant steps, you're not going to get that. So I have like quite quick, but very efficient steps. Mm. Um, so things like that are really important. I think, you know, sometimes your mind says you can't, keep walking and you need to stop and take a break and sometimes Mm. if you just keep walking you actually can get to the summit and it's fine but obviously you also need to think of your heart if you're like if you've not been hiking before so you need to weigh up these sort of things Mm. how about yourself 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing with hiking is don't overextend yourself straight away. Don't go from walking 5K trails to doing 30Ks in a day. And same with don't go just walking 10K day hikes onto 20, 30Ks a day with a full backpack. Like yeah. You've got to build it up. And another thing that I struggled early on with my multi-day hiking is also incorrect equipment. Mm. So... My feet were always had blisters on them because my shoes were exactly the same size as what my casual shoes are, yeah. which you always want to go half size to a size up because your feet do swell over the day. Um, yeah, just getting the right socks, um, the right bag as well. I used to hate, well, not hate, but dislike the actual weight of walking day after day with a multi-day pack because I had just a really bad pack and i would have sore shoulders and a sore back but now that i've got an osprey pack everything's like and i know how to pack it properly mm. it's not a breeze but it's it's a lot easier than what it used to be and doing multi-day hikes now when i've got that fitness up no big deal yeah yeah i think that for me it's the same thing like i look at my shoes and they're always uh, you know, I wear a 44 normally, uh, and it's a 46 if it's a hiking boot because mm. you just need that extra space. And on top of that, yeah, the the pack thing. You know, I've talked about. You know, I'm a, I'm one of those arm zealots. Yeah. Um, that just really was sort of changed everything for me because you know I had such um, you know neck and shoulder problems, and just getting that right pack and setting it up correctly because that you know that puts most of the weight more towards your hips rather than your shoulders. Mm. And it just, from that, made it so much easier for me to hike day in, day out. Um, and also, you know, I think I've realized that you need to do a lot more stretching and things like that at the end of the day. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So a big thing that I had started doing was taking a massage ball and a TheraBand on hikes. Mm. And then, because, I mean, if you're on the bib, you've got plenty of time when you finish the day just to stretch out do some exercises because um, the, the last thing you want to do is just stop walking and just sit still for a while because you seize up mm. your blood flow is not not there you're not massaging everything and stretching all your muscles so it just helps to have that in the afternoon even if you just wander around camp for a while mm. just to kind of loosen the the body up so it doesn't doesn't seize up like an old man <laughs> yep yeah and related to that is also like extracurricular activities to your hiking so i started doing pilates um you know two three times a week during my peak billman season and mm. it just helps so much more like you've got extra flexibility you're stretching out your muscles a lot the core strength is actually a lot better so when you've got that pack on your back and all the extra weight it's not too much of an issue mm. i just found that it helped just all around in, in just life and, and hiking as well yeah i so i go for a monthly tune-up at uh at a massage place <laughs> just because I, I was going to a physio all the time and i realized what i really needed was just a tune-up so that i was you know i i have you know when i go there they always say like i'm one of the worst in terms of like how tight i get mm. so you know that going for that has really helped in terms of when when i have those really extreme uh periods where you know things are all just way out of whack you can just stop it and get it all sorted and you're good to go again yeah yeah and yeah another thing on the pain though it's kind of untalked about but like as hikers we like to hike through the pain sometimes mm. and 
having you know had some Achilles issues it's not really fun if you're doing that long term so if you do notice something up with your body it's best to get it checked out go see a physio or it's your feet go see a podiatrist because a month out from hiking is a lot better than long-term pain definitely yeah yeah and i can say you know it's it's worked for me when i've had issues you know you see see a professional about it and you know you're you're good to go again then yeah maybe as you say it's it's a month or two off from hiking but mm. you know that's that's better than not hiking ever again yeah so you know that's those are our sort of you know quick tips but um earlier in the week i had a chat with rowan smith from summit strength and he's actually a professional uh, trainer specifically for hiking so here's something we prepared earlier hello rowan speaking hi rowan uh, donovan here how are you hey donovan i'm really good mate really good how are you yeah pretty good i'm over here in perth and you're over in uh, sydney are you over in Sydney, yeah, that's right, other yeah. side of the country. Yeah, how are things over there? Yeah, pretty good. I think it's like the rest of the East Coast. It's absolutely freezing at the moment. <laughs> but we're surviving, so that's the main thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself and what brought you to become a specialist hiking coach. Um, that's not a common specialty? Yeah, so so basically kind of how I you know, where, where I'm now and how I ended up with this podcast is sort of what I do as a day job is I'm a, I'm an online personal trainer specifically for hikers and trekkers and mountaineers. And, and it's not something I've done my entire life, but it's sort of a lot of things in my life has sort of really led up to, to sort of falling into place for this. Um, mm. cause it is, as you said, a relatively specialist thing. Um, so when I, I've been a hiker for, you know, my whole life in, you know, bushwalking since I was probably, six or seven years old my old man i've done lots of hiking and always loved adventuring always loved getting out on the trail and it's always something that i sort of did just as a casual casual thing something that relaxed me something that was good for my mental health and i just liked exploring and adventuring and and uh it was something i've always always done since quite young um on the other side of things you know i've, uh, I've sort of always been interested in sports and sports performance and when it sort of came to realization after i left school that i probably wasn't ever going to make it as a professional athlete i kind of <laughs> thought like look you know what i'm if you can't do it you'll teach it so i sort of uh started studying sport and exercise science at university and started starting to be a personal trainer and left uni and ended up working in the fitness industry as a personal trainer for quite a few years training everyone under the sun and probably about four years ago um sort of those two parts of my life really collided in the sense of, you know, my the love for adventure and love for hiking and my actual professional career as a personal trainer where I'd sort of just come back into Australia after living abroad for a few years. And um, I got a job in one of these simulated attitude gyms in Sydney, um, which essentially where there's a lot of people come into these this gym to train for things like Everest Base Camp and Kilimanjaro and these sort of big bucket list adventures that a lot of people are doing overseas. Um, and yeah, they'll come into this gym for help and it sort of became pretty obvious that, you know, very, very quickly that even though these guys needed help on the altitude side of things, but just training in general and physical preparation in general for some of these hikes was such a massive, mm. massive issue. And there just wasn't a huge amount of great information around this subject. And, you know, a lot of people were coming into me and they've been online and they're like, how do I train for hiking? And, 
they see a dozen different articles and it just wouldn't say anything. It'll be like, go out and walk and do some squats and get strong. And you know, that's about it. But these guys, you know, had issues like foot pain and knee pain, back pain. There's people who are like thinking, okay, I don't have many heels to train on, but how do I get ready for a big mountain and, and all of this stuff. And, um, and that was sort of like when I sort of made the realization that was sort of, uh, where the inspiration behind summit strength, which is my business these days was born. And, Sort of, I thought, look, there's so many hikers around the world who need help, not just Sydney, but you know, all around the world through Australia. And online training is becoming a pretty, you know, uh, doable thing these days. And and yeah, and sort of stepped out on my own a few years ago into summit strength. And now, you know, these days I'm sort of helping people all through Australia and the states, all through Europe, preparing for, you know, to get ready for their adventures. And so that's sort of my my whole life summed up in about five minutes. But uh, <laughs> that's sort of where i ended up today yeah yeah no that's that's awesome when, when you put it that way it actually it makes com, you know complete sense it's almost sort of um strange that no no one else has really you know thought about this very specifically because you're, you're quite right a lot of people go to personal trainers and they go to get fit for something like everest base camp or kilimanjaro um and yet they're not necessarily being trained specifically for that yeah absolutely and typically sort of what i saw was like there was sort of two different ways people would go like uh, way number one they might go see their regular per personal trainer down the gym and you know get help there and, and and yes that is good and it will usually get you to a point but most personal trainers you know they're, they're not hikers they don't really understand that hiking is very very particular and it's got its own set of demands and a lot of people just consider just walking but you know as being a hiker we know it's not just that you know we know yeah we know rough trails we know down hills we know carrying a pack and all of this stuff and and so sometimes it was just a, a lot of the time with a, a regular personal trainer um you might just be missing some of that sort of uh you know insider knowledge you could say yeah um, sure. better than the, but then on the other side of things you'd uh a lot of people um, the sort of hiking specialist coaches, they were sort of hikers who had a little bit of interest in training, physical preparation, but they may not have that huge background in regards to, you know, knew what they were doing in regards to some of the deeper things as training. And, um, and I just happened to be, you know, a, a really lucky enough that I sort of sat in the middle and, you know, I sort of had a foot in both worlds. And, and yeah, that sort of was just uh, the stars aligned on that front. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So how can a hiker get fit for hiking, um, especially if they don't have easy access to trails or at least trails that may be as challenging as the trails they are training for? So obviously something like, um, you know, in Australia, Kilimanjaro or Everest Base Camp, you know, particularly in WA where it's quite flat, you don't really have that terrain. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one because typically the first place people go to for answers for this they'll go to google they'll go to facebook they're like all right how, how do i get fit for hiking and, and nine times out of ten some you know some someone will say just go out and hike yeah. it's like well yeah that's awesome if you can but um but as you said you know a lot of us don't have easy access to trails or we might live a busy life or whatever so it's not you know in a perfect world yeah we could get out and hike every single week or a couple of times a week but for a lot of us yeah not super realistic but um, what I often advocate for hikers is sort of a combination of a few things on top of sort of whatever your normal hiking you may be doing. Um, one type of training which I think is incredibly undervalued for hikers, but I think it has such incredible, incredible benefits for anyone from a day hiker up to a, you know, a full-on hardcore mountaineer is doing a bit of strength training in your week. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated, doesn't have to be crazy, but even spending, you know, for, you know a couple of 40-minute sessions in a week, it can do amazing things for reducing the risk of aches and pains and injuries on the trail, making sort of elevation hiking much easier. So when you're actually, you know, going up hills, you know, legs are quite stronger and everything feels much easier, making pack carrying more comfortable, um, and even improving what's called movement efficiency. So sort of every single step you take uses less energy than basically the stronger you are. And over a long day's worth of hiking, you know, that can really add up. And that's one facet of training, which any hiker can absolutely get around, whether they do, do strength training in the gym, at home, outdoors, whatever it may be, but that can be absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, the second sort of facet of training, which again, any hiker can have access to, and it's something that I get a lot of my guys to do, is something I call hiking specific conditioning, which is sort of a fancy way of saying cardio training, which is targeted towards particular aspects of hiking fitness. So for example, it might involve doing some loaded pack walks around your neighborhood and literally just throwing on a pack for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and, and just walking around the local neighborhood. And even if you don't have access to hills, giving that extra stimulus from you know a few extra kilos on your back and maybe a few extra kilos then you are gonna be carrying on the trail, that can go a long way. Or doing things like uh, stair intervals or hill, hill intervals and you might not have a lot of um, elevation on your local trails, but you might be able to find a, you know, a set of stairs that will take you, you know, two, three, four minutes to climb up and you might do repeats on that. And each week you either add a little bit of pack weight or do a little bit extra. Um, or you might do something just like called tempo walking where you sort of just do fast, slow walking intervals around your local neighborhood. and You go quick for a couple of minutes and slow for a couple of minutes. And, and that in itself can be a pretty solid training session. Mm. And really thinking about, what do I, on the hikes that I'm doing, whether it's a big hike or my local hikes, what are the things I need to improve on? Um, what are the challenges I'm going to be facing? And then thinking, okay, what can I do around my local neighborhood or local area, which can sort of replicate this slightly. And you might not be able to do it on the trail, but you can often uh, you know, find things that can get you ready for these around your local neighborhood. And then alongside all of that, something that I think often gets neglected from a lot of hikers is, is doing a little bit of mobility and flexibility training, which is simply just doing some stretching or some foam rolling. But uh, but there's so many hikers who, you know, you can get some massive, massive benefits from just a little bit of that work. And it might make stepping up on the bigger, you know, on rock scrambling a little bit easier. It might, you know, help your joints move a little bit happily, happier. So the foot pain, the knee pain, the back pain isn't so, you know, regular, which a lot of people struggle with or, or whatever it may be. And, and doing a little of that stuff in your week. And, I always find the combination of strength work, that hiking specific conditioning, the mobility and flexibility work on top of whatever hiking you can do, um, it can really get you ready for anything, whether it's you know your first overnight hike, whether it's your first multi-day, whether it's something as big as Kilimanjaro or whatever, um, that it really can go a long way. Mm. Yeah, certainly what you said about, you know, flexibility is something that I've sort of realized a bit later in my hiking that um, you know, I've got very poor flexibility, even though I've got very good leg strength. Um, and that's something that I've had to work on because I've had uh, injuries like um, plantar fasciitis. Um, so on, on that, I guess, how can a hiker reduce the chance of injury? Um, knee pain and plantar fasciitis, I think, are both fairly common with hikers. Um, so what, what would be your advice regarding that? Yeah, so typically there's sort of a combination of things that go into this. And whether it's, yeah, as you said, knee pain and plantar fascia is probably the two big ones that a lot of hikers face. And typically the combination of things I talk about is 
strength training, mobility work, and gradual increasing load. Now the strength training is pretty simple in the sense that if you have, if the muscles that support these joints are stronger, um, it means the joints themselves are gonna take a little bit extra, a little less force when you're actually taking step after step after step and when you're doing downhills and when you're doing rough terrain. So specifically for the knee in regards to strengthening, the muscles that tend to support the knee uh, include the quadriceps, the glutes, the hamstrings and the calves. They're the four big ones, which will go a long, long way to helping with your knee pain and doing some structured strength work, which you can consistently string together over you know, a number of weeks can do really, really good things for helping for the knee. Now, when we're talking about the feet, it's pretty similar muscles that do support the feet, but you're probably going to get a little bit more benefit from putting extra, um, extra, extra time into developing the calves and doing lots and lots of calf raises and other calf strengthening exercises. And typically, strengthening up those areas, not only is it going to help prevent the risk of injury and the risk of pain, but it's also going to be super beneficial just for making hiking easier and just making elevation easier. So you do get a good bank your buck there. Now, the next thing you want to be looking at in regards to you know reducing this risk of pain is essentially um, the mobility stuff. And talking about the knee specifically, essentially the knee itself as a joint, it's what's known as a stable joint. Um, so essentially, aside from doing its uh, flexing and extending, so just the bending the way that knee joint goes, typically the knee doesn't want a huge amount of extra movement through the joint in a perfect world. However, the joints above and below it, so the hips, and the ankles, they're both what's known as mobile joints. So in the perfect world, these joints want to be pretty happy, pretty free. They want to have quite a big range of motion. But unfortunately for a lot of hikers, um, due to our day-to-day -day life and due to a whole bunch of other reasons, the ankles and the hips can often get really, really, really tight. And what will typically happen here is if the body wants to find movement through one of these joints, say you're stepping down a hill, say you're stepping off a rock, whatever it may be, but the body can't actually find the movement at once at one of the ankles or the hips, what it will do is allow extra movement through the joints, which are either above, above or below it. So when we're talking about uh, knees, the knee will get a little bit extra movement and that can lead to a little bit discomfort and pain. And in regards to the feet, if the calves are too tight, then the feet will have extra movement um, and that can lead to a little bit discomfort. So essentially, if we can make sure our ankles have a good range of motion and our hips would have a good range of motion, we can really, really reduce the, the risk of pain and discomfort and you know significant injury through the knees and through the feet as well. Um, and then the third thing in regards to load management is you know the biggest risk factor in regards to plantar fasciitis or you know some types of knee pain is just a big jump in hiking distance, um, which you're not used to. And mm. a lot of people they might come out of you know a string of bad weather or they might just get a, you know a few days off and they'll be able to book on a hike or or whatever it may be, but they haven't done much. And then all of a sudden they do a huge amount. And that's an easy risk factor to control, um, but you just need a little bit of planning. So if you haven't done a huge amount of hiking recently and you've got a big hike coming up, that's a pretty clear sign. It's like, okay, don't give up your big hike, but you want to fit in a little bit of extra walking in the leader to make sure the body's not so surprised. Mm. Um, and then the fourth thing to go on top of that, actually, which I you know, always do need to mention is, 100% if you've ever struggled with any of these things, use hiking poles or trekking poles on the trail because they're such an easy win. They take a really significant amount of force off the knees and the feet for every single step you take, in particular on the downhills. Um, and they're such a such an easy win and I could not 
recommend that enough if you do struggle with those uh, either of those issues. Mm. Yeah, I've, I did a hike recently where I didn't bring the trekking poles and it really made a huge difference. I'm so used to it, um, particularly on those, um, you know, mountain climbs sort of trails. It can become uh, chalk and cheese, the difference between the two. Um, on that topic, um, something that can be difficult in flat places like WA is training for elevation. You touched on this a little bit, but how do you train for this if you don't live in the mountains? And also, how do you get fit enough to not be huffing and puffing and be out of breath? Yeah, so so um, basically, yeah, really, really interesting area again. And this is probably one of the big things that a lot of hikers run into. Um, because, you know, a lot of us, particularly Australia, we don't live in the mountains. Not many of us have that <laughs> yeah. kind of elevation. And, and once the you know, or when the world's a little bit more back to normal and when people go overseas for big hikes, um, yeah, you can be sometimes tripped up a little bit. So so on in regards to the elevation, I typically break it up into two things people struggle with. Um, number one is their legs get really burny and they struggle from climbing up and up and up and up and up and the legs get burny and shaky and absolute fatigue. And the other side of things is, as you said, quite often people get huffed and puffed and really struggle, you know, with their breathing when they're going up hills. So typically separate the two um though a lot of the training will cross over now on the leg burniness um the things that i generally recommend is um as i said before strength training going to do a really 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 good help in this um and it's going to be incredibly beneficial now one mistake i often see with a lot of hikers in regards to strength training if they are doing it is sometimes they just focus on the really sort of high repetition muscular endurance training in the gym. So they might be doing squats or lunges or step ups, but doing 15, 20, 30 at a time and just chasing that muscle burn. And yes, that can be really, really beneficial, but I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend hikers if they are considering this to probably spend an equal amount of time doing some strength training is a little bit more difficult, a little bit more, have more raw resistance and doing things that might take you might be able to do between five and eight repetitions at a time before you need a rest. Now, it's a little bit counterintuitive because you think, okay, why is that? How is that going to help with my hiking? Because I'm doing step up to step up to step. But this particular, um, this can be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly beneficial for any hiker. And in particular for elevation hiking, because it can make every step much, much easier. So step number one is do strength training and get a nice mix of both high repetition stuff and lower repetition stuff. Now, the second thing is sort of building off what I was talking about before in regards to the stiller stare or heel intervals is the best way to go about this is to find yourself either a nice long set of stairs, a nice long hill. If you don't have access to that, you can go to go into, um, you know, in a gym with a stairmaster or a Jacob's ladder or something where you are sort of climbing up and up and up. And essentially you're going to start doing some relatively long intervals of climbing. I um, mean, you might do three minutes at a time and then rest for a minute or two and do it again. Or you might do five minutes or eight minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it may be. Um, but then as you start getting used to it, start to load this up with a pack, even if you're not carrying a full pack on your actual trip, but just adding this extra weight on this type of training can do incredible things to help you. And so you might do, you know, a set of stairs five times. First week, you might just do body weight. Second week, you might do four kilos on your back. Next week, you might do six. Next week, you might do eight. And it will improve incredibly quickly, but it can be super, super, super beneficial for that elevation hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then alongside that, even if you don't have um, a huge amount of hills to, to hike on, just making sure you are getting out for your longer hikes anyway, even if they are super easy and super flat, 
because that will develop certain aspects of fitness, which is pretty essential. Mm. And put those three things, three things together, the strength training, the, the loaded, you know, elevation training and the, and the mm. regular hiking, that'll get most people where they need to be. Um, when we're talking about the huffing and puffing factor, um, there are some particular things you can do. And on top of sort of what I was describing there, um, what I really, really like for my hikers, and I've seen some really, really good results, is doing some very, very particular interval training on something which is like, which you can go relatively fast on. And typically it would be a piece of gym cardio equipment. So something like a stationary bike or an elliptical or a rower, or even like a, a set of stairs um, at your local home, but some uh, local neighborhood, but something you can push a decent pace on that's not going to really, you know, you don't have to watch your footing. You don't have to worry about, you know, grinding up your joints or anything like that, but something that you can just push a good pace on. And they're doing some very, very particular intervals. Now, these intervals, they're called aerobic power intervals. And essentially what they're doing is they're teaching the body um to work at the upper limits of its aerobic energy system and which is again a little bit technical but it's, mm. I, I love talking about it but essentially working at the upper limit uh, the highest level that your aerobic energy system can maintain while still using you know oxygen as a fuel source mm. so what this means is when you're actually going up hills you can sort of go quicker paces for longer paces but still use oxygen as a fuel source as opposed to using another energy system which is a little bit, uh, which doesn't use oxygen and has all types of, you know, uh, it's a little bit less efficient. But if we can develop this type of training, um, it can go a long, long, long way to helping you feel more comfortable on these hills. And without getting too more technical, basically how you do them is you go really, really, really quick for three minutes at a time. So you go quick, 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 get yourself relatively huffed and puffed. So you're breathing like quite heavily for three minutes. Then you rest completely for 90 seconds and you just catch your breath, take it easy, walk around, sit down, whatever you want to do. And then you repeat that anywhere from five to nine times. Um, and then each time you do this, you just add an extra repetition on. So first week you might do five, next week you might do six, next week you might do seven um, and so forth. And this simple, simple, simple approach to interval training, um, it can really do incredible things to reducing that huffing and puffing when you're on hills. And if you can string together four, five, six weeks of this and work relatively hard, um, you will be amazed at the difference it can make. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favorite types of training for hikers who do struggle on their, their breathing going up hills. Mm. So we've talked, I guess, a bit about hill training and you know getting fit for that. Um, I guess the other aspect that can be challenging for a lot of people is just not having the time. So if, if you are quite time poor, um, how can you get fit with uh, the limited time you do have? Yeah, so this is this is something, again, a lot, a lot of hikers that I hear from run into. And, and we all do have our own definitions of time poor. Now, some people will say, okay, you know, my time poor is I can only, I can only train, you know, three times a week for an hour, and that might be their time poor. Some people might be saying, okay, I can only do 30 minutes at a time. Some people I've worked with, you know, they've been nurses in the pandemic and they can literally only fit in, you know, five minutes a day. Like, you know, yeah. everyone's a little bit different. Um, but typically what I'd recommend is, again, what we were saying before, the strength training, the hiking specific conditioning, you can do 10, 15, 20 minutes of that at a time if you sort of follow, you know, one of the you know, a relatively structured workout and get a lot out of it. Um, and you can do it at home or around the local neighborhood. That can be pretty easy and pretty beneficial. And that's a good way of going about it, even if you can't get out on the trails. 
But then it's also finding opportunities um, in your week and in your day where you can fit in a little bit of training if you are really strapped for time. So, you know, some people that I've worked with, you know, will say, okay, when you're, you know, brushing your teeth or when you're waiting for the um, the kettle to boil or waiting for your coffee to be made, you'll just do a few calf raises, um, you know, at home or do a few squats. Um, and each time some you have this sort of dead time in your day, just fit in something. Um, and it sounds silly. It sounds doesn't sound like much, but over you know over the day, over the week, over the month, um, it can really really add up. Or or doing things like um, you know in your office, if you've got a, a lunch break, you know if some people someone works in an office block or you know either somewhere nearby that does have a bit of like stairs, and just duck out and just do five minutes of stairs or ten minutes of stairs in your lunch break. You know, not enough to get you super sweaty and need a shower or anything, but you know just a little bit there or. Or even, um, you know, fitting in things with your social life. And, you know, if you are meeting up with a friend for coffee, um, you know, walk and talk with your coffee, work with a pack on your back, um, or go out and, you know, walk the dog with a pack on your back or whatever it is. But have a think about where can you find opportunities in your life to fit in those little bits of training. Um, and then also on top of that, if you're sort of not 100% sure what you're doing on this front you know just reach out to someone who, who's done it before reach out to a friend or somebody who knows about training or you know talk to a you know someone at a gym or, or shoot me an email or whatever it may be um and get a little bit of advice because sometimes you know it can be hard coming up with this stuff for yourself um and just getting a set of uh, outside eyes onto it you know it can give you a few good ideas on this front but you know even if you are super super strapped for time i would highly recommend just don't you know admit defeat and just say, I'm just going to get fit on the trail. I'm just going to deal with it on the trail, but fit in what you can, because it can make a massive difference, even the smallest things just to your sort of comfort and your enjoyment, you know, on your adventures, whatever that may be. Mm. Um, I guess something that can be a bit of an issue here in Perth um, is that the summers are really hot. And so a lot of people kind of, I guess, have a bit of a break from the hiking season and then it comes back on. And then conversely, in other states, they've got the reverse where, uh, you know, there's snow, so you can't hike at that, that time of year. Um, what are some complementary activities that can assist with hiking fitness to kind of maintain it in those gap times? Yeah, so so specifically, you know, in the heat and when we're out of hiking season, you know, it's yeah it's tough and you know a lot of us aren't going to get on the trail and it can be you know really, really tricky um to do that which is perfectly fine and i think the complementary activities is you kind of want to look at a three different areas um of things to keep up now area number one is hiking is essentially a, an exercise which involves long duration of low intensity exercise um, mm -hmm. and that's the first thing we need to sort of you know, try and fit some type of that into our week if we want to maintain things outside of hiking season. And, and you want to sort of have a think about, okay, what can I do in my weather with my weather constraints, which may be similar to this. So a lot of people, you know, that I work with, they'll pick up a little bit of swimming. Um, and it doesn't have to be fancy swimming. They might do it with fins. They might do it with flippers. might do it with paddle boards if, or they just swim normally. But just doing laps up and down and, you know, doing that once a week for an extended period of time. Or it might involve, you know, going out and doing some water sports in the heat. If, you know, you can go out kayaking or paddle boarding or something, mm. you know, if you do get that sort of uh, water breeze or whatever it may be. Or a lot of people, you know, end up in, you know, the gym environment. And they'll do, you know, as much as it's not quite as much fun as hiking, but, you know, you obviously get air conditioned in that. And 
something to keep you going on that front. Mm. So have a think about, you know, what can you do that is going to be that long duration training? Um, and I think that's really, really the first point of call you want to look at. Now, second point of call is what can you do to sustain your strength? Now, I keep on going on about it, but strength training, you know, you can do that in any weather, whether it's at home, whether it's a gym with air conditioning, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, keep that up all year round, definitely worthwhile. Um, and then number three, you want to have a think about what can you do, which can give you just a little bit extra burst of slightly high intensity exercise. Now, it doesn't have to be stuff that's actually going to kill you. You don't have to go to a gym and do a million burpees or anything like that. But something that's going to give you a little bit extra burst of intensity, get you a little bit huffed and puffed. And kind of what we're trying to do there is just keep the body used to working a little bit harder. So when you do hit those heels again on those stairs again, it's not a complete surprise. So this may be a case of, again, taking what we were talking about for long duration training and, and just doing little spurts of quick there. So you might be swimming and, you know, once a week you might go down and just do some quicker laps instead of the nice long and slow stuff. Or it might be a case of going into your gym and doing like a cycle class, um, you know, once a week, which gives you a little bit extra push. Or it might be a case of waking up in the morning, like quite early and, and you know, having a run or doing some stairs, stair climbs or something that is going to get you a little bit puffed before the sun comes up or whatever it may be. But in the off season, if you're looking at long duration training, a little bit of strength um, maintenance or development, and just something that gives you a little bit extra burst, um, you know, that, that sort of will get you pretty good for you know the off season and whatever it may be and then when you get back on the trail it hopefully won't be so much of a surprise and you get right back in your hiking as soon as you need to yeah no that's, that's excellent um i guess another aspect of hiking that i guess can be a bit of a of its own sort of area is multi-day hiking um i guess you know a lot of hikers find on multi-day hikes there's i guess there's a few things that that they'll they'll find is that You've got repeated stress for multiple days. Um, and also the other thing that can happen is, you know, you're sleeping in very cold conditions, camping or, in, you know, in WA, there's a lot of shelters where people stay overnight and then all their joints and muscles are sore the next day or, or a bit stiff. Um, what are things that hikers can do in multi-day hikes to look after themselves? Yeah, so this is this is a great, great subject because you know, I love talking about training. I love talking about physical preparation, but it does take time to develop this stuff. It does take consistency. And I'm aware a lot of hikers, they're not interested in this stuff. I would love if they were, but sometimes <laughs> they don't have the patience. Um, but this subject, when you're actually actions you can do on the trail, um, any hike you can do, it doesn't take a huge amount of effort, but it can make a really immediate difference, which is fantastic. So when it comes down to this type of, you know, multi-days and, you know, when you are sort of, you know, getting sore muscles, you're going to back up day to day, you're sleeping in the cold and all that, there's a few really, really easy things you can do to keep yourself more comfortable. Now, number one um, that I always recommend to my hikers is most hikers on the trail tend to under-eat. Now, mm. I'm not saying that, you know, you can get away with hiking. Obviously, there's pack concerns and there's weight concerns and all of that, and hikers are pretty conscious of that. But um, and you can get away with eating pretty much anything. People will eat barely any food on the trail and they'll get through their hiking days. And it's not a case of surviving because we'll survive off pretty much anything in regards to food. But if you really want to thrive, if you want to back up day to day as well as you can, you want to recover as well as you can, you want your muscles feeling good, probably just eating a little bit more for any hiker will probably go a really, really long way. 
Um, typically what I recommend to my hikers is when they're actually hiking on their day hikes, but also their multi-days and their overnights, is around, aside from their normal meals that they usually do, is try and just eat a little bit of something every single hour. Now, it might just literally be a couple of bites of fruit. It might be a, you know, a handful of nuts. It might be just a little bit small, but every single hour have a little snack. And essentially what that does is that just tops up an energy of stores. Just make sure we're not ever reaching that overly fatigued state where we absolutely get knackered. And just doing that in itself will go a long, long, long way to helping your day, but also you know, help you recover and back up day to day. Now, the other area that I often recommend to a lot of hikers is just doing a little bit of self self massage at the end of the day. Um, it can go a long, long way to help stopping things tighten up, to helping your legs feel a little bit better, to help you wake up a bit fresher, just aiding your recovery. Um, and simply what this involves is just either getting your water bottle or um, your trekking pole and just sort of massaging or even a cork massage ball, which you can buy online these days and they weigh like a gram. Um, and just doing, spending a little bit of time massaging the muscles which have done the most work during the day. So typically this will involve, you know, rolling up and down on your calves, maybe rolling up and down on your quads, maybe doing a little bit on your feet. Just spending a couple of minutes on each area, you know, in your tent or if you've you know, got a little bit of a room in your campground or whatever it may be, um, it can go a huge way and it can make you feel absolutely great. And I try to get my hikers to do a little 10 minute routine every single evening at the end of their day, because it goes so, so far. And that's a really, really amazing way to go about it. Um, and then the third thing, there's so many things I could talk about here. But the last one I'll talk about right now is a really easy addition to your pack, which can make a dramatic difference to how good your legs feel day to day and also keep you warm at night, is bringing a set of compression recovery tights. Now, compression recovery tights, they are something I get all my hikers to use because they are so, so good. And essentially what they do is um, just help your sort of circulation a little bit after you've finished a day's worth of hiking. So instead of stopping hiking and all the blood sort of just begins to settle and you know, um, the, the body just goes back to normal, what it does is just keeps things pumping a little bit more, helps flush out waste products a little bit more, and essentially just makes your legs feel good. And I'll get my hikers to either wear them for a couple of hours around camp at the end of the day, or even wear them overnight while they sleep. And it can make a massive, massive difference just to waking up and having your legs feel good. Now, it's not going to fix any issues, it's not going to fix any injuries, but it's such an easy win to make you feel good in the morning that I, one of my favorite things, and I wear them on all my overnights, all my multi-days, and they're absolutely amazing. And again, barely weighs anything, you know, it's really good camp wear, really good you know, sleep wear, but um, might cost you a couple of hundred bucks, but it'll last you for a good, serious amount of time, and, and they can, you know, they're so, so worth it. So typically, make sure you're getting enough food. Do a little bit of self-massage and if you can get around that compression recovery wear and you know those three things massive difference on multi-day hikes and something anyone can get around with, with barely any effort mm, that's really cool N never heard that one before but the compression tights but that sounds like a really great idea um the way you've described it and i, I also appreciate that you've talked about um the the weight here because i guess a lot of people are gram shavers and they you know, don't want <laughs> yeah. they don't want to be carrying medicine balls and you know all sorts of stuff like or like massage balls i should say um because they you know they don't want to have that extra stuff but then as you said like you can use your water bottle or um a pole so and you know that that's not not extra stuff you have to carry 
Exactly, exactly. And and even those are uh, those cork massage bowls I mentioned the other day. I think I weighed mine the other day. It's literally half a gram, um, but it goes along like you can just sort of get into the little hot spots and get into tight muscles. And, and I always keep one in my pack and I give, give some to all my hikers. And uh, lots of places sell them online these days, but they're a, a really handy addition because, yeah, I've seen those sort of collapsible foam rollers and i've seen people lug around there you know heavy lacrosse balls and yeah <laughs> that's not something many hikers want to do so. no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i guess the other something else that i've noticed um has become a uh, very popular you know i think the ultralight thing was a very popular thing uh, for a while and it still is um but now i've noticed um and it might be a, um as a result of covid uh, is that there's a lot of people who are now maybe because they're stuck and they don't have a lot of annual leave, so that they're, they're all wanting to do these like fastest known time, uh, you know, like super fast packing of trails, um, and you know I think in the past it was you know doing like 40 k's, but now people are looking at doing extremely long kilometers, and sometimes um, you know sometimes they they are very fit individuals and they can do it, and some of them. Uh, you know, people who've probably not done a lot of training, but are just trying to fit something in. Um, is there any advice you can offer for people looking to walk sort of extremely long distances? Um, you know, doing like a multi-day that's you know like several hundred kilometers in in record time. How how do you get fit for that? Yeah, so I've definitely seen a few more people lean towards this as well, and it's becoming. I'm sure it's been popular for a while, but it's becoming a little bit more apparent, at least in my world. Um, typically on that front, what I've, all the things I've mentioned today, so the strength work, the hiking specific conditioning, the recovery and mobility work, the hiking, that's all going to lead into the same things, um, and the same benefits for you know anyone attempting big distances, big speeds, or even an FKT. FKT. Um, one thing I would sort of include into it is sort of doing some um so what i was talking about before the the tempo walking and doing sort of extended intervals of really quick walking and and if you're aware that like hey okay i've got to walk at a particular speed to to hit these distances and it might be i don't know six kilometers an hour seven kilometers an hour or whatever depending on what you're doing mm. um just teaching a body to walk a little bit quicker than that um for shorter distances so it might be four minutes of time eight minutes of time that you're walking at you know, something that's a couple of kilometers quicker than whatever maths you've worked out that you need to be doing. Um, because basically the body really, really doesn't like walking at quicker speeds than it's used to. Um, and it'll do anything it can to sort of slow you down unconsciously just to save energy. So if you can teach the body to get a little bit more comfortable with speed you're not used to um, and quicker than you need to be, it's sort of unconscious when it tries to slow you down, it won't feel quite as bad fitting in, you know, going at the slightly quicker pace. Um, so that's one thing, definitely get your body used to moving at speeds quicker than you're used to. Um, the next thing is the guys particularly doing these things. Again, Graham Shavers, again, really conscious about weight. Um, and I see people really, really getting, um, yeah, a bit, a bit over obsessive on that because obviously yeah. you don't want to carry around too much, but don't skimp on your food. Don't, you know, go try to do what I said before. Cue yourself to eat regularly. Make sure you've got enough food to fuel yourself and make sure 
that is something you're not skimping on in regards to weight because that is going to make or break one of these attempts. That is going to make or break um, your actual ability to get through longer days. And if you are hiking at quicker speeds, the body's going to be churning through much, much, much more energy. Um, so make sure lots and lots of food, particularly emphasizing easy to digest, quick digesting carbohydrates, um, unless you're particularly adverse to that, um, because that is where you're going to be getting, you know, the, that's going to be providing the most fuel. Um, the other things as well is just sort of looking after your other areas of nutrition and you know, staying hydrated, keeping on top of that. So making sure your urine is staying around about clear to straw coloured um, throughout because that's an easy win and a lot of people neglect that on the trail. But leaving a little bit of dehydration will significantly affect you on something like this. Um, making sure on top of your electrolytes so you're having, you know, whatever you're bringing, you know, make sure you're having that on the trail because again, easy win but a lot of people neglect it and it's something that will you know hold you back on these fkts or or quicker things um and then the final thing as well is you know using a little bit of strategic bit of caffeine um you know can be really beneficial if, if you're, you're not too adverse to caffeine and you might not be stopping to cook coffees um, or to make coffees or anything like that um a lot of people will be really trying to save the minutes but bringing some like you know no dose caffeine pills or little caffeine strips and it can be really, really beneficial just sort of get you through the tougher sections of the trail. Absolutely amazing for endurance performance in regards to, you know, making things feel easier, improving your endurance, um, and just getting you through a tough day and a tough section. Um, and it's a really easy thing, you know, again, a really light thing a lot of people can bring, but on these things in particular, when you're really pushing the distance and you're really, really going to be fighting that fatigue, a little bit of caffeine can go a long way. So if you're not adverse to it, probably bring some of that and, and you know, time that out through the day um and yeah put all those things together and you know i think it will you know it will go a long way for a lot of people with these super quick hikes coming up mm. now all good advice um so with the people that you have been advising through your business what are some of your favorite success stories of people who have um, achieved some amazing things yeah so there's <laughs> it's hard it's hard to sort of choose one because um, everyone is so unique in what they're doing and everyone's doing angry different things. And, and I'd be tempted to say some of the guys who've done some you know, really, really big adventures like Elbrus or they've sort of gone up to the top of their first 14,000 or over in, over in the US or they've done Killy, you know, the first big one. But so I guess I think probably my favourite ones are the guys have actually overcome an ache or pain which has been holding them back their hiking. Um, and it's, it's something, it's a story I hear a lot from my hikers in the sense that, you know, they maybe love their hiking and they may be slowly building up distances, but what's really holding them back from having a really good time and also doing some, some of the things that they really enjoy um, is just a pain. And it's just pain and recurring pains and things that are just getting on their mind. Mm. Now, one of, a typical, one of my favorite stories is a, is a lady called Andrea. Um, who I've worked with. Um, she's down in Melbourne, um, so she was an online client. Um, she came to me initially, we were chatting, um, and she was like, look, you know, I love hiking. I've just discovered hiking you know, a few years ago. I've been really getting into it, but I've been really, really struggling to sort of get onto harder hikes. Number one, because I've got some serious knee pain that's really, really giving me issues. But number two, like some of the bigger hikes are just thrashing me, and I'm just not having so much fun. Um, and it is something you know, she was a little bit concerned about. Um, and so, so we sort of started working together and we were like, look, you know, we're going to start doing all these things I've talked about, but we're going to try and get on top of the knee. We're going to try and get you fitter for the hikes. And 
Um, in the first few weeks, she was sort of consistent. She was doing this and that. She was like, oh, I'm not noticing, you know, a huge amount of change. Um, came around about week four, uh, five or six, and she was like, you know what, the knee's still there, but I'm really noticing a difference on the hills. And, and I'm getting to these hills, and I'm actually realizing I'm not dreading them anymore, but I'm actually really enjoying them. And I'm feeling like, you know, I'm getting up them really good. I'm getting to the top, I'm not huffing and puffing. And, and she was like, oh, I'm feeling like that's something that's changing. And, and that was kind of the turning point from there. It was just awesome. Just kept on improving the fitness, kept on improving on the distances. Around about, I think, week 10 or week 11, it took a little while for her, but she started noticing some differences in her knee. Um, it started getting less and less and less. And um, and then just the hiking from there, like, you know, as soon as the knee started to go down, it just exploded. You know, she was going went over to Tassie and did the overland and got to it absolutely fine. She's doing all these different hikes all around. And, and um and it's been really, really amazing to see just her, you know, strength to strength and, and actually even like cool enough, like, even though this was one of my favorite stories either way, but she's actually, uh, she loved it so much and she's been doing her fitness certifications for a while. And she's actually started working, um, working with me as another coach now. Um, so now she's helping other hikers. That's awesome. Um, yeah, to kind of become this and she's been through and she's, um, you know, and she's just sort of changed her hiking and she's helping other people now. So. That's probably my favorite story, even without her actually coming on board Summit Strength. But, but yeah, she really went from strength to strength, and uh, it's really amazing to see. That's great. No, that's a really awesome story. I guess for those interested in your coaching, where can they find out more information? Yeah, so there's uh, probably two places that are um, that are probably best to find out a little bit more. Like, um, if you are interested in learning um, a little bit about the coaching side of things and you're like, you know what, you know, this might be something I might be interested in. I just want to hear a little bit more what Rowan has to say. And um, you can find my website at um, summitstrength.com.au. And on, side, on there, it has a bit about me, about what I do. It has a bunch of blog articles about um, all different types of training. Um, and, it, uh, and it obviously has talk, uh, talks about my program. You can reach out through there. Um, on the other side of things, if you're like, you know what, you know, I'm interested in this subject and I'd love to learn a little bit more, but you know, maybe coaching's not for me, but I just want to learn more about training for hiking. Um, if you love a good podcast, I do run a podcast purely around this, um, and it's called the Training for Trekking Podcast. And inside there, I just share information around training and injury prevention and pain prevention for hiking and a whole bunch of different things. So if you're interested in um, listening to <clears throat> any strategies around that, you can find that on pretty much any uh, any podcast platform. And they're probably the best places to find me there. That's awesome. Thank you, Rowan. Uh, it's been really great to talk to you and hear about your advice regarding hiking fitness. This is something we've uh, been wanting to cover for a long time, and it's great to have someone with such great professional knowledge uh, to help advise our listeners. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I really appreciate you having me on, and, and I do hope some of the listeners can get some value out of this and, and, and um and yeah, and hopefully it'll help them towards whatever adventures they're leaning into. Awesome. Now, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help us to reach an audience, especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again and stay tuned for our next episode.